0: Our guest today is the new head football coach of the Chicago Bears, Matt Eberfuss. Born in Toledo, had the opportunity to play for Nick Saban and then Gary Pinkle, who will be inducted in the College Hall of Fame this year. From Missouri, Matt had the opportunity to work for the Cleveland Browns and then a long stint with the Dallas Cowboys as their linebacker coach who was brought in as the defensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts and established a system and a process where he believed in his players, he got them to play hard, and has bucked the trend where offensive coaches become coaches in the NFL. He's articulate, has a clear vision, understands alignment, and will be successful with the Bears brought themselves an opportunity to start competing for championships in Chicago. Good luck, Matt.
1: Hey, welcome friends. Well, congratulations. We have have Matt Everfler on as the uh, head coach of the Bears. And I just want to visit with him about what this journey has been like. I mean, you've had the opportunity, you grew up in Ohio, I uh, had a chance to play and work with Nick Saban and Gary Penkel. Talk a little bit about how how those individuals have helped influence you uh, in your shape and in your role today as a head coach.
2: Yeah, those guys are special guys. You know, in 1990, uh, I was playing for Nick Saban, and I remember making a play in spring practice. He was over, you know, topping me after the play, and I said, you know, I was to celebrate, and he said, hey, He said, don't worry about that play. Worry about the next play. And that was the thing I took from him. He said, always have your eyes forward and focus on the next play. And he was a great head coach. He was only there one year. And then entered Coach Pinkle, and I was with him for 18 years as a player and a coach at Toledo and at Missouri. And I could spend hours talking about him in terms of attention to detail, um, being loyal to his assistants, um, and really challenging the team, and, and that's what he taught me. Coach Bingo is just outstanding, and he just got elected, you know, elected to the College
1: Football Hall of Fame. So, uh,
2: oh, actually, yeah,
1: that'll be a trip you'll have to make to New York next year when they have that dinner. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. That's that's exciting, really exciting. The Cowboys was an interesting experience because people always thought that sometime you might come back there as their head coach. Yeah, that,
2: that experience was great because, I, you know, I came from the Cleveland Browns, you know, so I, I made the leap from Missouri to the Cleveland Browns, and then I went to Dallas. And when I went to Dallas, I was there with Jason Garrett and the, and the Jones family. And, and man, what a, what a great family and great organization to work for. And, uh, you know, you can't say enough about the Dallas Cowboys, but that experience was really
1: good. You know, interesting. You get hired by a person who's supposed to be the head coach, and he stays in New England. So talk a little bit about that. That was kind of unusual.
2: You know, in retrospect, I, I look at that and, and I've talked to Josh since then. And, and I thanked him. I said, you know, you were the guy that initially, you know, believed in me as a defensive coordinator. Um, and as you studied the league and thought that much of me to make me in that position and, you know, understanding what happened, he stayed in New England and I got a chance to uh, be with Frank uh, and Chris Ballard. So um, those guys are outstanding men. And uh, we hit it off right away. We, we had the same values. We had the same uh, vision for a football team. Um, and it was just a, really an easy fit uh, for us uh, from the get-go.
1: So working for a head coach that had played in the league as opposed to head coaches that hadn't played in the league, what's the difference?
2: Well, he's a sounding board that you can use, um, certainly in a, in a, in a game-planning sense. So I always want to play defense through the eyes of the quarterback. So uh, I would ask Frank, hey, what about this disguise? What about that disguise? And I would do that with all the quarterbacks that I've ever been around. You know, Tony Romo, Phillip Rivers, all the guys. I would always talk to them one-on-one and say, hey, if we're going to do this, does this cause you a problem or not? So, you know, we had Frank come into the to the defense unit meeting every Thursday. And he would he would give a topic, a 10- or 15-minute talk to the defense. And it was always valuable, uh, not only to the staff but to the players. but. It's been, it's been great. And in fact, I've had in 30 years of coaching, I've only had two years where it was a defensive head coach. So I've had offensive head coaches for 28 years and I've always used those guys to help us play a uh, good defense.
1: So when you think about last week and and the excitement of the games that occurred and that no defense stopped an offense, which is, is really incredible when you think about it, right? So you got all those games, and no defense was able to stop an offense. And if you look at the schemes, you had zone schemes, you had five under man schemes, and then you had a blitz scheme. and nobody was able to stop an offense. Uh, any, any, take, any take you had from watching those games? Yes. Being a defensive coordinator?
2: Right, so I've always watched those games, uh, you know, depending on how far we go, and, and I always look at both sides of the ball, and I study those games, and really pull off all the situations, because, you know, the games are one in the fourth quarter, and a lot of, a lot of times, at the very end, of the last two minutes, um, so you always look at the scheme, and the operation of offenses, and defenses, and how they operate, and what would you call in those situations, so you can always get practice on those, so, and Certainly, you know, do I disagree or agree with, the, with some of those calls that were made? Yes, I do. Um, but, you know, you, you can operate a little more, uh, little more efficiently by certain calls in those situations. Uh, but that's the critical thing you have to look at. You know, no one's perfect. And, you know, certainly those quarterbacks that we're playing are outstanding players. Um, and that, that's a big part of the game.
1: Talking to potential individuals that were your peers they are looking to become head coaches in the league. Talk about what some of the things were that you think were really important in terms of you and I had an opportunity to meet. And yeah. um, you can talk a little bit about that experience, if you wouldn't mind.
2: Yeah. So, the, you know, the one thing that I learned you know, coming with you, Jeb, and visiting is to be clear, concise, and compelling about your vision. And what do you what do you want your football team to look like? And you have to have a lot of man hours and time on task and meditation on that and be able to write it down on a piece of paper and hone that down because we all have big grandiose ideas but you have to be able to express those to the owner okay and to management to be able to get the job and so you have to take a lot of time on task I mean it's like 10,000 hours I think if, you know you have that rule the 10,000 hour rule I think that's the case because <laughs> you have to really uh, and from A to Z, you got to talk about strength staff, training staff, uh, football staff, um, the vision for your football team, how you want them to operate, how do we acquire coaches, how do we acquire players, you know, from A to Z. So that's the big part of it. And that's what I learned from you is to be clear, concise, and compelling about your vision for all aspects of the football
1: team. I mean, just talking to you now, I mean, what you just gave back to me was clear, concise, and quick. There was no, <laughs> there, there was no, there was no hesitation you definitely had a, a point of view. So now when you think about the different interviews you've gone on and, and so forth, as, as, you're, as you're talking to your former peers, what are some of the things you think you did to help prepare yourself for this? You, you talked about us getting together. What other things do you think are important for people that are looking and they're aspiring to be a head coach to be able to make that jump and the preparation they need to do?
2: Yeah, I would just say make sure that you are, have conviction. You have uh, conviction about what you want as a head football coach. That that to me is everything because when you speak about conviction, you're speaking from the heart. So everything to me comes from the heart. So in, it comes from the heart. It comes out, out into your head and it comes out in words. And that to me is so important. So make sure you have great conviction. You know, that's, that's everything. It's about how we're going to play. Um, if it's about you know how we're going to acquire players or whatever it might be, you have to have conviction uh, because it comes out as true and it comes out as being strong when, you, when you're trying to deliver that message to uh, to the organization.
1: What about in terms of taking interviews? Who to interview with? Who not to? How many interviews should you go on? You got any suggestions? on that yeah so the one thing
2: i could share about that is that i would say that you've got to be ready for the interview to be different so you have 32 teams all the all the uh, interviews are going to be different style is going to be different setup is going to be different um, for example you know uh, team a might just be you and the owner okay and it might be you and the, and the gm maybe and they're just you know they're firing off questions and there's they're, they're it's done for a reason. They want to see if you can go from topic A to topic Z to topic B to topic D and to, you know, go back and forth. Um, and it's kind of flowing that way. So you really have to have your convictions and your thoughts organized. As opposed to organization B, they would be uh, organized in terms of uh, it's a panel in front of you and there might be a search guy there that's helping lead the, lead the interview. And it's more it's more methodical, you know. Taking through a season, you know, taking how we're going to do this, and taking how we're going to do that, and then to me that's a little bit easier. Uh, but again, just be ready for it and be flexible that it can change and move during the course of the interview.
1: So when you think about again those eight teams, and there are only two of them were defensive coaches, and here you are going into an organization that uh, again you know, were uh, offense is important. So when you think about being a defensive coach. How do you think about how you're going to put together the offensive side of the game?
2: Yeah, so I think as a head football coach, you, number one, think about the football team. Um, That's the most important thing. So how are we going to play? You know, and, and to me, that's everything. And then when you go to start segmenting it from there, okay, offense, defense, and kicking, those philosophies and those convictions go throughout those three phases. Okay, then you start looking at the one phase offense. Well, the most important piece is the quarterback. You have to have a great plan for developing a young quarterback. And the people you put around them is everything. We always say, hey, it's a people business. And it's true. The relationships we build, okay, are going to be really form the habits that we need to have that are going to put victories on the field. And how we do that is with people. And that's important. So we're in the process right now of putting quality people. Um, on our offensive staff and putting those around our young quarterback uh, that's going to lead to victories.
1: So when you think about um, Frank, was he able to share things as a head coach uh, with you? I mean, did he mentor you? Would you say he mentored you at all? or You learned on your own or because there's some head coaches that will bring their assistants in that are looking to be and spend time and say, here are some things you need to think about that aren't associated with your head being a head coach. Did you not just yeah. Used-
2: yeah, I would say that's uh that's an ongoing process. You know, Frank and I are are really good friends. We're really close. Um and we have been, you know, for the last I would say, you know, two and a half years. You know, at first you're just learning each other a little bit. We've gotten really close over the last four years. So we're you know, I will use him as a sounding board. We're gonna go back and forth. we already talked about we're gonna have many discussions um, back and forth on ideas that I may be doing and that he might be doing. And uh, we're going to share those ideas for sure.
1: Well, the fact you're not in the same the conference that helps.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think the Indianapolis Colts might have been happy about that. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. No, I'm sure that's got to be true. So, when, again, when you think about uh, the one or two things that you, that helped you get this uh, opportunity that you accomplished, what, what do you think? What do you think they were that were attract that attracted uh, the bearish to you. Well, I would say
2: that it was my conviction and my my faith in uh, the process. You know, in terms of what I believe in, um, and the process that I had to go through. You know, I'm I'm an older coach. You know, a lot of times uh, these these jobs go to guys that are in their 30s, and uh, I think I've been through the process uh, of being a coach and being an assistant and working my way up, and that's gave, given me great perspective. You know, to be and, and really inform me as the leader. Uh, that I'm going to be here for the Chicago Bears and I think that was attractive to them and uh, I'm excited about getting going too.
1: I've always felt the more experiences you bring the, uh, a new situation the better your chances to succeed because you've got different places to reach from and different sets of experiences isn't that you just grew up in one organization and just yeah. saw it one way. Yeah I agree 100%. So a- as you look back on those different organizations that you worked with was there one that had more impact on you than another, or did you kind of blend them all together? Yeah, it was a blend.
2: It was a blend. I learned a lot from being with Gary for all those years at the University of Toledo um, and at Missouri. Uh, we, you know, rebuilt that program at Missouri and, and you know took it to prominence. You know, in the Big Twelve Championship and all those things. I learned a lot from that. Um, you know, going to the pro game. This is I think my 14th year coming up in the pro game. You learn a lot you know from different organizations and you try to take away from each and every one of them and you just learn you know and you learn and grow you have that growth mindset i know that's a big term now big you know big, whatever it's using is, is you just basically you you learn through your experiences and you grow and that's what the growth mindset is but you have to have a receiving mind and a receiving heart to be able to do that If you think you have all the answers and you, and you block that out by being stubborn and having your ego get in the way um, that that's where your your mindset's not in the proper place to grow, and I think that's a you have to have that set up in your in your mind and your heart to be able to accept that um, knowledge.
1: As I looked at your background and studied you, your ability to build the relationships with your defensive players was really special. So how do you go about doing that? Because you know in today's age not all the coaches are that good at being able to build relationships with the different personalities. I mean, whether it's a defensive back or a defensive lineman or a linebacker, you've got all these different personalities with different egos and, and, and and different with the social media and all the other things that, that happen. How were you able to get these players to believe in you and to play as hard as they did?
2: Yeah. So I I've given this a lot of thought. That's a great question, uh, Jeb because I've narrowed it down to four things and it's really simple, okay? It's, it's model behavior. So if I want the players to, to be a certain way, I have to act a certain way as the leader. Um, so um, I'm gonna be calm, I'm gonna be intense, I'm gonna be focused, okay? And I'm gonna be going about my business that way every single day, right? So if I want that for my players, I have to be that way. So model behavior is number one. Then I have to inspire change. Okay, so if I want to be able to inspire change, I have to reach a man's heart. I got to be able to get to him. And that's through relationships. So I have to inspire. That's the second thing. You know, The third thing is I have to challenge. I'm going to challenge these guys. Okay, so I'm going to challenge them to get better. I'm going to challenge them to improve. You know, it might be a technique. It might be how they learn the game. But I'm going to challenge them. Okay, that's that's an important part. And then the last part is you have to encourage. I'm going to have to encourage along the way because adversity is going to hit. Okay, and I got to be the best encourager, okay, because I'm the leader on the football team uh, through adversity and, and really encourage those guys. And they have to encourage themselves. I always talk to that. I was talking to, the, to our players the other day about it. So you have to encourage yourself. You got to be your biggest uh, advocate. So you got to model behavior. You got to inspire change. You have to challenge them, okay, and then you have to encourage along the way. That's what, that's what I believe in.
1: How much individual time do you spend with, with your players?
2: A lot. I spend a lot of time with them, and I and I always tell them that hey, bring them into your
1: meet. You bring them into your office, or you do yeah. it on the field, or uh, and you talk about football. You talk about their family. Well, what are the everything a to z? You,
2: you you talk about everything. Now, I believe that when we're
1: on the football field,
2: you know, let's let's do football. Um, when we're in the building, we can do other things. Um, but you're always it's constant conversation. It could be bringing a guy into my office to visit one on one. It could be in the hallway. It could be um, out down in the cafeteria having lunch with them um, it's it's might be outside the building we go outside the building now, a lot of times that's really a good place because it's it's a little bit unguarded then because it's not in the same environment you know i believe in doing that too but um, you have to build those relationships but i always believe this too jen is that you have to honor relationships but in the same regard you got to honor results uh, so there's, there's a combination there because we're in the wind business. So relationships are important, but results are too, and we all have to honor that.
1: From a defensive perspective, uh, do you set weekly goals, uh, seasonal goals, individual goals? How do you and how do you review those on a weekly basis?
2: Yeah. So I believe in goals. Um, goals are important. You know, how many first downs you're going to give up, what, how many points, you know, how, what, what's going to be your red zone percentage, third down percentage, your run average, your pass average, all those goals, those weekly goals are important. But what's more important is, is the how, the habits. Um, the habits will, will go ahead and, you know, you'll accomplish all your goals if you have great habits and everything starts right out there on the grass. So when we get out there and practice, the OTAs, our first OTAs, or you know, we'll start with that that veteran mini, uh, voluntary mini camp, it's all going to start out there. And it's going to be all directly related to our daily habits, one play at a time.
1: It's interesting because you've been through the evolution of where you could wear pads all the time and have contact to where now the, you know, being able to even put shoulder pads on is, re, is restricting. Yeah. So how have you been able to adjust your teaching and how does that affect, do you think, performance in the, in the game, especially early in the season?
2: Yeah, that, that's a good question, too, because there is a modification. And what we've gone to is, we, you know, out of our normal practice where you typically get about, you know, 40 plays during a practice of competitive reps against each other um, in different you know, periods. But what we've adopted is the walkthroughs, you know, so pre, uh, prior to practice, we'll have about a 35 minute walkthrough where we'll get about 40 plays or 45 plays, in, depending on what side. But, you know, offense gets a little less than the defense, but that's during the walkthrough is when we learn, you know, because then we always say feet, hands, and eyes, and it's live all the way to the snap. So feet, hands, hands, and eyes all the way live to the snap. So we're getting a lot of technique work there and formation adjustment and then running plays against the defense. And that's where the guys learn a lot. We get a lot of plays that way, um, without contact. And that's what we have adopted.
1: What about the physicalness? I mean, in terms of you know, you think about. I know when I coached with uh, with Chuck Noll. I mean, on Fridays we were in goal line scrimmage, and you know he believed that the only way you're going to stay physical was to be physical in practice. And you played that way, and, and your team played physical, yet you didn't weren't able to practice that. So we said how I. Trying to understand for our listeners how you're able to be able to bring that forward. Yeah, I
2: just think it's once a week. You know, you're allowed to be in pads once a week. And you when you're pad up, you you are hitting with the top of your shoulder pads. And you are moving people and displacing people offensively. And defensively, you know, we call what we call thud. You know, we're going to thud. I mean, we're going to keep the guy up, but we're going to give him a good pop. And when the ball's in here, we're going to we play the ball live. And then we'll go ahead and thud him afterwards. So you have to be physical in the opportunities. That are given to you based on the rules now, and you always got to stay on your feet. You always got to make sure that you're up on the, up on two feet, and you're safe that way.
1: Well, thanks for taking time. Congratulations to you and your family. I bet your children are really excited about that opportunity coming in and seeing dad as the head coach.
2: <laughs> yes, they are, and I appreciate everything you've done for me,
1: Jed. I, I, I want to thank you for that. No, hey, my pleasure. It's been fun to stay in touch, and I'm going to be rooting hard to, for you to for you to win. So well, thanks
2: again. That.